0: Welcome to The Read-Along,
1: a mini book club for your ears,
0: a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network,
1: powered by ATB.
0: I'm your host, Scott.
1: I'm your other host, Anita.
0: And join us on a journey through a good book, one One chapter chapter at at a time. time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth bond and produced by Lisa Pruden, The Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Hello! Hello! Welcome back.
1: Good day. And welcome to day eight quintillion of social isolation.
0: Also day maybe 40. Who knows? (laughs) Time, as we've commented before, no longer really has any meaning.
1: Time has no meaning.
0: That's right. Really the only way we are able to accurately measure the passage of time at this juncture is with the chapters of this book.
1: Yep, counting chapters.
0: So we know that time has passed and that only nine chapters of it have passed.
1: (laughs) Has it, though? Kinda. (laughs) Join us next week for Chapter 10, Chapter 1. It's uh, (laughs) an intentional callback. Indeed. We're having a good time.
0: (laughs) We're also, you know, appropriately, perhaps enough, sleep-deprived because of the tiny babby. Uh, We are... Uh, not getting the sleep we should be
1: no we're not and, i get it in weird chunks and sometimes i am utterly dead to the world because my body just shuts right down
0: yeah ditto and uh that is perhaps uh an appropriate way to segue into our recap <laughs> of last chapter indeed where dom and beth take a trip back to witty Lane and actually sit down and talk to the Caters and try to get things sorted out but it's a mm-hmm. uh, it's a meeting that leaves Beth with more suspicions than answers.
1: Uh, everything is going to leave her with more suspicions at this point.
0: Yes, and she leaves them with a lingering threat that she may or may not follow through on as we segue...
1: Cool strange lady.
0: Into Chapter 9 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hannah. So after a few days of doing massages in order to maintain her home business...
1: Okay, so she forces herself back to quote-unquote normal for two whole days to prove that she can do it? I guess so. I guess? And that doesn't send up a red flag for her? Nope. Because it does for me. (sighs) She
0: also mentions that she's had three nights with little to no sleep. And, surprise,
1: surprise. And
0: that is where Beth takes Xana to stalk the caters again.
1: Oh, she's looped in her daughter.
0: Yep. She, it's, the, it's a whole family activity now. I
1: suppose roped in is probably a better term for it. Maybe. She's roped in her daughter.
0: Uh, this time they're hitting up a private school near Whittiel Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, be, and that's because by the caters, I actually mean specifically that she is stalking their children. Yes. A perfectly reasonable, very logical and normal thing to do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: definitely not very concerning.
1: I would also like to point out that everything leading up to this, she's been very concerned with Zan doing her revisions. Mm -hmm. Zan's schoolwork is very, very important to her. Not anymore. It is now more important that she stalk these children than that her daughter does whatever schoolwork she needs to be doing. Well in her exams, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beth is so in over her head and she has no idea.
0: Uh, She actually zones out in the car while she's talking with Xana and briefly goes off on a mental tangent about how great a motivator Lewis Braid was, ironically enough. Yeah. Because there's two sides to everyone. Of course. And one of his sides was that he was actually very, because he was so pushy, he was actually a very strong motivator for people to, no, do the thing. Get it done. You can do this. Yeah.
1: He made a sign.
0: And she (laughs) thinks he may possibly be simultaneously the best and worst boss to work for.
1: Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I could see it.
0: Xana uh, then snaps her back to reality, like, Mom, you've been staring off into space for five minutes. Come okay, back.
1: Please please come back.
0: Um, and then it is curious why they chose this particular school, especially because, as Beth points out, the OG Thomas and Emily went to a prep school for Cambridge. Yes. And Beth counters that she saw Flora out in Huntingdon the other day, and that implies that Thomas must go to a nearby school to where they live.
1: Yeah, because why Cambridge. would she go so far out of her way to run errands?
0: Yeah, is not too sure that the logic is totally sound, but she kind of agrees to roll with it. Yeah, it's not too bad.
1: No, and as we'll see, it, it does pan out for Beth.
0: Yes. Beth has also kind of mentally decided at this juncture that the new Thomas and Emily are also Lewis and Flora's children, because they look, in her memory, so similar to the OG Thomas and Emily. Yes. That there's there's no way that Flora could have had two other children by another husband, and them look, look so close to the originals. Yeah, look like they did. Because she is steadfastly refusing to mistrust what she saw once days ago. Yeah, I In know. a better headspace. I know. After days of not sleeping. I know. Her plan here is to waltz into the school, act like she belongs there, and try to glean as much information as she can before anyone gets suspicious of her.
1: Yes. It kind of goes sideways, but she still gets what she wants.
0: Kind of. Kind
1: of. And it's still, well, we'll get there. It still leaves me all confused.
0: So she has a plausible story in mind. Uh, Basically, her plan is to go in pretending to be a friend of Jeanette Cater's. Yes. And that her son left something in her car or at her home. she's trying to return it. She'd like to return it, but... She can't get to their house, so she's wondering if she can leave it where Jeanette will come and pick it up later at the school. Yeah. It's, it's not a, little, a terrible plan. No,
1: it's a little unusual.
0: Yeah. So she
1: But it's the best she's got. Yeah,
0: she grabs a sports bag with some socks in it, kind of think a five-year-old might have left somewhere, uh, and heads into the reception desk over at Kimbleton Prep School. There, she meets with the receptionist, says she is a friend of Jeanette's. And her son left something in the car. Could she leave it there? Receptionist is like, sure. What's your name? And Zana's just like, Beth Leeson. Like, it's no big deal. Well, okay. Oh, and and also, I'm her daughter, Zana Leeson.
1: Yes. This is... I made a note here because uh, something kind of stood out to me. The fact that she was fumbling to come up with a fake name, as though she, was unex- she wasn't expecting someone to ask her her name. Yeah. And the fact that she was trying to come up with something that was definitely a lie... To me, I think this is the first time she's ever acknowledged that what she's doing is kind of shady.
0: Yeah. and Finally. Yeah. She also kind of resignedly admits to herself that maybe it was kind of futile to come up with a fake name anyway. Because if Jeanette Cater came to pick up her children and the receptionist was like, hey, a lady came and dropped this off for you. Her name was obvious fake name of someone that Jeanette (laughs) doesn't know. She's going to be like, that's Mm. Beth, isn't it? So she's just like, yeah, okay, and Might she as also well face
1: it head on. Good calls, Anne.
0: Yeah, she also realizes that like she stands out at the moment because her hair is half brown and half blonde because the color is growing out, mm-hmm. and because she's a workaholic, insomniac, she's neglected going and getting it redone. So,
1: so she's very distinct looking. Yeah. And any physical description of her is obviously going to be her.
0: It's instantly going to give her away.
1: Yeah. So she agrees with Zan in her head anyway and leans into the truth. Yeah. Sort of.
0: The receptionist, Lou Lou Monday, Monday.
1: Which I think is a fantastic name.
0: Then asks for Beth to give over her phone number so that Jeanette can get in touch with her or anything.
1: Yeah, she's taking a note and she's like, name and phone number.
0: Yeah, and Beth kind of hesitates on giving the phone number. Xana then fills it in again like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But
1: Well, she originally counters with, Jeanette has my number. Yeah. Like, obviously you don't need to take it. She knows what it is Yeah, because we're friends. And, of course, Lou is uh, a consummate professional and like, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm used to taking people's full information. Give it to me anyway just in case.
0: I get the impression here, though, that there's something in the way that Beth hesitates on the phone number that tips Lou Monday off that something's not right. Maybe. Because from that point on, the receptionist is more and more uncomfortable with the conversation. Right. But Things this get is really weird. But this is the point where Lou initially seems like she's starting to get suspicious that something's up. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you give me the phone number? Why would you hesitate on that?
1: I suppose it depends on Beth's delivery.
0: Yeah. Well, Beth doesn't deliver the phone number. Xana does. And Xana also provided the names, which is at this point why I think maybe Lou is like, why why is this lady being cagey about her name and phone number?
1: Exactly. If she had delivered it smoothly, or even the answer, be like, oh, she has my number. Like, she doesn't need, (laughs) I don't need to give it to you. She has it. Uh, As opposed to like an awkward pause before there was, well, she has my number, right? We don't get tone of voice in a book. It's true. So it makes sense that if she was awkward about it and suddenly Zan's delivering answers, that, yeah, it would be a little sketchy.
0: Yeah. This is the point where Beth and Zan decide that perhaps it is time to retreat. <laughs> that they've maybe pushed their luck as far as they can go, and it's time to say their goodbyes. And Lou confirms she will give the socks to Jeanette later when she comes to collect Thomas. And then... And then everything goes pear-shaped.
1: Then everything goes pear-shaped, yeah. This is our turning point right here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Beth and Zana double check. Surely you mean Toby Cater. And Lou is like, no, I meant Thomas. No,
1: Thomas. His name is Thomas.
0: And Beth is like, and his sister is named Emily, not Emma. And Lou is like, well, I didn't say anything about his sister. And Zana is trying to, like, warn Beth at this juncture yeah. to maybe maybe Stop. take the victory and let's go. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've just learned something. Let's get out of here. But Beth is, as usual, determined to just press as far as she possibly can. Yeah,
1: Beth Beth is on track now, and there's yeah. no stopping her.
0: So she starts just bombarding Lou with questions. Do they live at 16 Whittier Lane? Do they have a baby named Georgina? Does Jeanette Cater have a foreign accent? And she's not getting satisfactory answers, I guess would be well, the best way to put it.
1: Lou starts answering and then realizes that she shouldn't. Yeah. Because she shouldn't. Yeah, well, no. Right? You don't just hand out information to a stranger about children in your school, right? Not, or their parents. Not okay. Yeah. So uh, she starts to answer a question and then stops herself, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. And then it's all about, no, I'm sorry, I can't tell you anything, you need to leave. Yeah. Which is very professional of her and what she should have done.
0: Yeah, she's very uncomfortable
1: yeah. with this. At this Lou structure. is not at fault here, and it's not wrong of her to be suspicious of this woman.
0: Yeah. Beth kind of takes a gamble and asks Lou, like, look, you have my phone number, call me later. Anything you tell me need not leave that phone call. Like, it's just, it'd just be you and me. We'll just have a chat. Just give me a call. Because I'm concerned that something is very wrong in that household. And then she says, and I think maybe you're concerned about those kids too. And from Beth's perspective, it looks like maybe that hit home.
1: Yeah. Because of the reaction. Yeah. Her eyes got really wide. And the point is she got a reaction. Beth got a reaction out of this woman.
0: Yeah. Which to her
1: confirms
0: something. To be fair, Lou might call the police immediately afterward.
1: It's very possible. Yeah. Oh, and then Dom would be mad.
0: Oh, yeah. So, like, this this leaves us kind of at the end of what was a fairly short chapter. But with many, many questions. Because this is a solid hit. Yeah. This, this Answers seems to, to some
1: questions and then, of course, raising of more.
0: Yeah, but this seems to imply that something is up and that... Beth maybe didn't see anything.
1: Like I said, this and, is our turning point.
0: And moreover, Xana is there. If Beth is unreliable, and she is, and I'm going to go into that a little more in a moment, Xana is there as a... Eyewitness? As as a reliable witness to this. Mm-hmm. No, uh, the
1: fact that Xana is there gives a lot more credence to what Beth has uh, gleaned.
0: Yeah. But also, we've had a couple other like near-aha moments in the book so far. That then in the following chapter, it's like, oh, well, here's maybe a more plausible explanation. Yes. And so I can't help but wonder if we're going to get that again. Maybe. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see.
1: We'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: I want to talk about Beth's sleep deprivation. Okay. Because this is a running thing through the book as well. Every time she mentions sleep, it's to mention that she's not getting any.
1: Oh, yes. That's a that's a recurring thing.
0: Yeah. So I did a little bit of digging. Okay. Online. And yes, sleep deprivation can cause visual hallucinations yeah and in people prone to schizophrenia auditory hallucinations as well
1: does not surprise me at all
0: uh and it's not necessarily a total lack of sleep but a cumulative lack of sleep can also cause this over a long period
1: that doesn't surprise me at all
0: uh in fact visual hallucinations are surprisingly common with severe sleep deprivation
1: Yeah, this doesn't surprise me one bit. The
0: majority of people can experience them. Fun fact, another common symptom of extreme sleep deprivation? Mm. Paranoia.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: and and disorientation. Huh. Things that have all happened to Beth Leeson in the course of this book.
1: If nothing else, this book is an excellent lesson in getting enough sleep.
0: Yeah. You know what else uh, happens to people with sleep deprivation?
1: Oh, what else? They
0: have trouble concentrating and their mind wanders. You don't say. Yeah. Just like... Beth keeps doing in the narration (laughs) of this book when she goes off on wild tangents thinking about Lewis or I was about
1: to say, this all sounds terribly familiar.
0: Yeah, Xana even calls her out on it in this chapter.
1: Yeah. Like, Mom, "Mom,
0: snap, snap, come back.
1: Mother, you've spaced out. Please come back.
0: Yeah. And uh, you want to know what the cure to all of this is. Sleep? Meaningful sleep. Just get some sleep.
1: You don't say. And
0: all of it goes away. And it's something that Beth just seems absolutely incapable of doing.
1: But is she even trying?
0: I don't think she is.
1: I don't think she is either. That's not helping.
0: I don't think she's... Don't misunderstand. I don't get the impression that Beth is deliberately avoiding sleep. No. But I think that she is not going out of her way to get any sort of meaningful rest either. Right. She doesn't recognize how bad her sleep deprivation is. And so she's taking no steps to try to rectify it. Yeah. And this and it's,
1: is... It's going to spiral out of control, I think.
0: I think it is spiraling out of control. I Sorry, think it's going
1: to further spiral out of control. Then. Yeah,
0: I think she's unwilling to listen to reason over this. And she's fixated on it because she's not rational at the moment. Not really. It's possible that some of the stuff she's seen she hasn't seen. It's possible? It's equally possible maybe that some of the stuff she's seen she has seen, but that it's being mixed with stuff that she that hasn't? she's basically having waking dreams. Could because, be. because her brain is malfunctioning, mm-hmm. because she's not sleeping.
1: The problem is now we have a bunch of evidence saying that she's right.
0: Or at least maybe a little right.
1: Yeah. That something is not the way it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. But let's let's be honest. If someone started snooping around your kids and your life, maybe you would purposefully give them wrong names for your kids. Maybe. To make, make it so that they couldn't necessarily track them down. Maybe. Like, if the caters are legit and they're concerned about their kids, maybe they did give her fake, fake names. Fake names? Could be. It's possible. Or maybe Flora has very good reason to want to keep her presence in Britain secret from Beth. Maybe. There's still this unspoken thing that happened with Baby Georgina and this picture that Beth doesn't want to admit to herself or to us the audience. Mm-hmm. Just saying.
1: Plus, she's not confirmed that the other picture, the the stock photo of children, are or are not the Cater children.
0: Yeah, because she hasn't actually seen them.
1: Yeah. She saw a child who, well, she saw two children that she mistook for Thomas and Emily, possibly mm-hmm. mistook for Thomas and Emily. And she knows there are two children that belong to the Caters, and she's seen a picture, but she hasn't referenced that picture with a face. Mm-hmm. So, I
0: don't know. there's there's still a lot of variables in the air here. And this chapter, while it does prove maybe something weird is going on, doesn't really prove that that weird thing is that there is a duplicate Thomas and Emily.
1: Not really. But, again, this is a novel, and she has found, like, an impartial third party who has confirmed the names Thomas and Emily. And while she hasn't confirmed visually that it's the Thomas and Emily that she thinks it is, it's something. Yeah. And because it's from someone on the outside who probably doesn't have any stake in this, I would say it's slightly more reliable information. Which means that she was, at least on this one count, right.
0: On the other hand, she is not a reliable narrator.
1: I know. That's why it all goes up in the air.
0: Yeah. We'll have to still wait and see what's going on.
1: Also, this is something that caught my attention. This is the first time she has mentioned any kind of concern for the well-being of these children.
0: Which makes me believe that that's not really what she's concerned about.
1: Yeah, except she got a reaction out of Lou Monday. So if she is concerned for these children, she's never brought it up before in her head with us, the audience. So what is it that she's worried about?
0: I don't think she really believed that until it came out of her mouth.
1: But, okay, let's give Beth the benefit of the doubt for a minute. She got a reaction out of Lou, which means that Lou would be concerned for the well-being of these children as well, which means there's something going on that Beth suspects and has not brought up yet. So what is she suspicious of? What, she has a theory.
0: I don't think she does. Like, I I legitimately think this is her sleep deprivation paranoia speaking. I think that in the heat of the moment, she blurted out, I'm concerned that something's going on in that house. I'm concerned for those children. Like, it dawned on her in that moment to say that. I'm not saying that she doesn't necessarily believe it in that moment, but I think it's the first time it's dawned on her that there may be something untoward going on. Maybe. And the fact that it got a reaction maybe just kind of, like, made her more suspicious of it.
1: I can't help but think that she has a theory that that she has not divulged to the audience yet.
0: But and we're in her head.
1: I know. Maybe she hasn't admitted it to herself.
0: And that's why I'm saying I, I don't think that it was something that she was cognizantly aware of until she said it to Lou.
1: Oh. See, and I disagree. I think there is something there and she just hasn't told us.
0: Or she thought about it in the last two days while well, we weren't in her head. Yeah. Because she was giving boring massages. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: I think Beth suspects something.
0: Beth is obviously suspicious of something. Otherwise, she would have let this drop days ago.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, as opposed to suspicious trying to figure out what's going on, I think Beth has a theory and she's trying to prove it.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, with that said, um, perhaps that's good enough reason as any to wrap this up. So we will say that perhaps we'll find out more next chapter or perhaps everything will, will be turned once again on its head. And it will... Could go either way. And it will appear that maybe this was all a misunderstanding. As we move into Chapter 10, uh, you'll want to read up on that in time for next week. And in the meantime, the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, is uh, supported not just by ATB, but by many sponsors who provide a number of products and or services uh, to you, the listener, and to, uh, to the community. And uh, this seems like as good a time as any to discuss some of those products and or services.
1: This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot has launched a service to answer your questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experience of it. The idea is to help you understand this complex and quickly evolving topic with succinct, well-sourced answers to any questions you might have. Find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca.
0: Yeah, Taproot is uh, another one of the projects managed by founding Alberta podcast member Karen Unland. We love you, Karen. Yeah, you can also check out one of her uh, other projects in the podcast podcast that's a thing Mm -hmm. she records with uh with her daughter with her daughter and they discuss uh things that adults maybe aren't up to speed on that (laughs) the uh that the kids are these days
1: uh i think last time it was explained as a young explains things to an old yep which is the most appropriate thing i think
0: uh you can check out that and other sibling podcasts of the read-along at uh albertapodcastnetwork.com we're also all hosted on the CKUA app, where you can uh, go and just give them a peruse.
1: Available where apps are found.
0: Indeed. Uh, you can also find us elsewhere online.
1: Oh yes, we have a social media presence, as most people do. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads.
0: Yeah, we're at The readalong at pretty much all of the above. Mm-hmm. You can send
1: us an email if you want more characters than that. Yeah,
0: thereadalong at gmail.com.
1: Lots of ways to find us.
0: And with that said, as always... We'll see you next time.
1: Second Emily? How many Emilies are there?